0: Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. Glad you're joining me today. My special guest is Michelle Gill, otherwise known as the Grief Curator. So grab that cup of coffee, folks. Sit back, relax, and let's listen in to the show. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host, and I am so glad that you are spending just a small portion of your day with myself and my special guest today, who is Michelle Gill. She is a grief and loss mentor. Her upcoming memoir, Don't Tell Me to Get Over It A Father's Love, A Daughter's Grief, comes out in ebook form this spring with a special hardcover edition to be published in the summer of 2022. When she's not writing, she's trying out new recipes from around the world, hosting safe spaces to talk about grief and loss, both on and off of Clubhouse, and telling her two cats, who think they're Egyptian gods, that they have already been fed. Michelle, Michelle, thank you so much for being my guest today, and I love your bio that you incorporate your cats because I incorporate my dog in almost everything I do.
1: Well, thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me on. Uh, It's a real pleasure to and honor to be on here.
0: I've been excited about this chat because, well, it's a tough subject. Grief and loss is a tough subject, which, of course, you know that. And everyone has experienced it to some level, you know, and some folks are able to work through it and manage it, I guess. And it's just a tough subject all around and with the way the world has been the last couple years and look what's, you know, all of the stuff that's happening now, grief can cover a wide variety of things. And I applaud you for taking on this topic and spreading your message and continuing to spread it out, you know, into the world because people need to hear the little nuggets of goodness and hope that you're tossing out. So I am super pleased to have you on Let Your Bounce today. Now you've got this book, Don't Tell Me to Get Over It, A Father's Love, A Daughter's Grief. I love that title, Don't Tell Me to Get Over It, because unfortunately, that's used a lot by people. So my first question for you today is, how did you come up with that title?
1: Well, I came up with that because... (laughs) Um, because like you said, a lot of people will say that they may not say, Hey, get over it. Uh, literally, although some do, but they will say a version of that. They will say, Hey, it's been three months. Hey, it's been six months. Hey, it's been a year. Why are you still sad? Don't you think you should be getting on with life now? And I honestly don't know where that began. Because it is absolutely ludicrous to me to think that after just three months, especially after losing a loved one, that a person should be quote unquote over it by then. Three months is nothing in the span of time when you lose a loved one. It's like saying, hey, you loved that person enough. Now it's time to stop loving them and move on. That's basically what somebody is saying. It also communicates to the griever that their grief, their feelings are not important to their friends and family. And unfortunately, that is where they get the bulk of comments like that from people that should know better, that should be supporting them. Uh, and they don't, they don't get that. And that's why I, A, wrote the book. I also wrote it to honor my father, the memory of my father, but also just to hold space for people so that they understand that they are not alone in their grief, that grief has no timeline and no one has the right to tell them that they should be over their loved one.
0: I like how you said grief has no timeline. And I think everyone rationally knows that. You had also mentioned that it's those typically that are closest to you that may be a little harsher in their speaking to you. Do you find that maybe it's because they're uncomfortable and they honestly don't know how to deal with someone else's grief? Do you find that happens? I know I have in my lifetime um, that the ones that are closest to me, they honestly just don't know how to handle someone else's grief. And so they say, well, you know, it has been six months. Do you think that they're consciously saying that to be hurtful or they're saying it simply because they're uneducated about the grieving process or they're just really uncomfortable with it?
1: All of the above. Um, I, there are, you're definitely going to have a few people who are just toxic and they say it to deliberately be, well, I guess, I don't know if I can say that on here. So I will just say they're, they're just being not nice. (laughs) Um, but I, I think those are not a lot of them. The, the bulk of people do it because they're ignorant. They don't, they have not been taught. And, and, you know, none of us have. We don't have a class when we go to school on grieving and how, and how to approach death, probably should be, uh, especially considering the, our world today. I also think that people are uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable with death. They're uncomfortable with their own emotions. They're uncomfortable with other people's emotions, especially something strong like grief. And, you know, when somebody is grieving and, um, and grief takes many forms, but the main one everybody is familiar with, somebody just starts crying um, because, you know, either, well, they're crying either at the funeral or months afterwards, they hear a song and they just get triggered and they just they just lose it. What do you do? You can't, quote unquote, fix the person. How do you help someone who's going through that? Because there's nothing that you can do to make it go away. So part of it is love is behind it. I don't want somebody I love to suffer. And seeing you suffer over the loss of this person breaks my heart because I can't fix it. Um, And so I, I believe that we have to get to a point where we are comfortable with being uncomfortable and realizing that what we really need to do, the number one thing is to hold space. This is a huge mantra of mine. Uh, and you'll hear it if you are any in any of my clubhouse rooms, either club my rooms where I talk about grief or just in other rooms where we talk about um, personal development. You have got to hold space for yourself first. You have to love yourself first. You have to hold space for yourself. You have to learn to sit with yourself in silence. It, once you do that, it becomes a little bit easier to hold space for other people. And that's all we want as grievers. We want you to just sit with us. You don't even have to say anything. Just sit beside us and witness our grief and honor the memory of our loved one.
0: You I like how you, how you worded that because there's there's friends of mine, whether it's through grieving or they're going through something really heavy, you know, just very, very heavy. So often I've just sat in silence, let them cry. I'll pull them to my shoulder. You know, I'll let them snot face cry on my shoulder, you know, because that's what they need at the time. No words are needed sometimes. And everyone, like you had mentioned, they they go through it and deal with it differently. And I like how you said, you have to learn to just be still. And I so agree with that. I so resonate with that because I often will tell myself, Kim, just be still. And whether it's a fear or uh, anxiety or a trigger that's going to, I know is going to trigger something in me. I'll sit there and say, all right, Kim, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it out loud if you need to. And then we're going to shove that to the side. We've acknowledged it. Here it is. I'm dealing with it, but I'm shoving it off to the side right now. It's not going to control me. And that's just something that I've done for my own self is my big word is acknowledging it, especially fear. And I talk about that a lot on this podcast and most, there's a lot of folks That say it just it they become overwhelmed. And I'll say, well, have you acknowledged it? Do you look it in the face and acknowledge it for what it is? It's an awful feeling. It's an awful emotion. It might be really scary. It might make you physically ill to think about it. But have you actually acknowledged it for what it is? Because once you do, then you know what it is, then you know how you can pick it apart and how you can move on. Maybe it's just baby steps, but you can move forward.
1: You know, you mentioned fear and I believe that some of what the inappropriate things people say to those of us who grieve comes from fear, fear of their own emotions, fear of their own mortality, especially when you're dealing with the death of a loved one that brings death in general, front and center. Uh, I know when my father passed away, it'd be almost four years in July this year, um, You know, I thought about my own death. That is just normal. But a lot of people are uncomfortable with that, which I think also is why we tend to put things off in terms of our end of life planning and things like that, because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about it. And that's why I say we have to get, we have got to become more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And like you said, acknowledging it, because if you don't, if you don't acknowledge it, it has power over you.
0: Yes. Mic drop on that one. Yes. And why would you want to give even more power to something that's so negative and detrimental to your mental and your physical health? You know, and I, you know, hey, that's really easy for me to say. It's easy for someone to say, but I can also say I've lived through a lot of that and I've learned the hard way as being one who used to stuff all of her emotions and lock them away in those doors and throw away the keys, however you want to word it, I was very good at that. I have been called a professional wall builder. So, you know, every, I got a wall, nothing's getting in, nothing is getting in. Detrimental part of that is nothing can get out either. So you've got all that stuff just festering, you know, acknowledge it, acknowledge it for what it is. We're all human. We all are going to experience grief and loss and grief can come in many ways, not only just death. Is that, is that part of the topic that you talk about with the folks when you're, when you're sharing space, because I mean, divorce, people grieve the loss, you know, of their lifestyle, uh, the loss of a pet, all kinds of things that can cause grieving that can really wreak havoc on your mental and physical life.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's still death. But it can be the death of a dream, the death of a relationship, uh, death of a pet, which that is a physical death, death of a job, because you've lost your job. Um, it, it's it, yeah, I cover all of those things. Um, the main one, of course, is the death of a loved one. Yes, all of all law, all major loss like that is a type of death. And you have and you like you said, you have to acknowledge it, you have to face it in order to uh, move on. It's almost like you have to Thank it um, for whatever lessons it's teaching you, and then and then move on to the next phase. And you can't do that un- until you've
0: done that, right? You know what I've I've found myself doing over the years, um, because I you know I've I've lost loved ones, I've lost numerous friends just over the last two to three years, just because the way the world is, the way it turned us all upside down. And I have found that, unfortunately, the more that it happens. And this is gonna sound kind of cold, but the more that it happens, I'm able to acknowledge it and deal with it easier and better. And I almost feel awful saying that. It makes my stomach kind of clench, you know, like, but it's, I'm being very honest and I'm always honest and transparent. I have found once I've been able to acknowledge something, then I'm able to sit back and instead of just dwelling on the end, be thankful and feel very, very blessed that I was on part of their journey with them and all of the good, enjoyable times and loving times that were spent with that person. So I'm able to turn my brain around and say, you know, wow, I had all these years of friendship with this person. Stop dwelling on that last four weeks or those last two days because that wasn't the lifetime. That's just a very small portion.
1: And for a lot of grievers, that, that might take a little time and that's okay. That's why I'm so adamant, you know, and a lot, a lot of people are, who who are in the grief space that there is no timeline. You know, if it takes you a year to get to that point, if it takes you five years to get to that point, that's totally fine. And nobody, and only, you know, how long you need. Right.
0: Oh no, that wasn't anything that came to me overnight. Believe me, (laughs) I learned that over years um, and you know, and it, I think a lot of it may depend on the person that's in your life, whether it's a spouse or a grandparent or a mother or father sibling, you know, obviously that's, you know, I grieve really hard for a friend of mine who lost a grandchild and I'd never even met her grandchild, but I was grieving really hard for her because I could put myself in her shoes just a little bit, just a tiny little bit. And it was just, you know, it's heartbreaking to watch someone else hurt so badly, for me anyway. Um, I'm ridiculously empathetic. And it feels like I just take people's emotions right on and I can feel them and I'll snot nose cry right along with them, you know? (laughs) And And I like how you mentioned there is no timeline and you are right, there is no timeline. Some people get through things much, much quicker than others. I know folks that have been grieving over the loss of a spouse for 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. It's just a tough subject. It really is. So I know you said, you mentioned that you hold space on Clubhouse and um, do you have like workshops or anything like that, that you provide to folks or a Facebook group or something like that, that folks are members of?
1: Not a workshop uh, yet. But I do have a Facebook group. It's called um, The Beauty That Remains. And that comes from a quote from Anne Frank. And uh, they can join that. Um, they can also message me uh, either on Instagram, on my DMs, uh, to get a link to that. And they also, there's also a link tree in my bio on Instagram. They can uh, get to the Facebook group from there. And it's a closed group um, so that it's a safe space. Nobody can just come in. Um, I have to approve them. So
0: I think that's awesome. I, I like the name you know, the beauty that remains. And that it's a quote by Anne Frank. Um, I was just reading up on her the other day. It's interesting that you brought that up. I'm just with world uh, today, as we're recording, this is International Women's Day. And yeah. so I've been reading up on an awful lot of women from history that have changed history because of their strength and courage and fortitude. And when you brought her up, I was, she's one of the ones I was reading on. That brings me to another thing. I'm glad i thought of this um women do you find that women grieve differently than men
1: oh yes uh and i think that has a lot to do with societal expectations and it depends on the culture that you're in um that's going to be a series that i do um at some future date on clubhouse is how how different cultures grieve and how different cultures approach death because it's very different. Um, it definitely, in the United States, there um, is a, a good portion of the of the cult, of the uh, a culture that has a problem dealing with death. or is very uncomfortable with it. Whereas there are other ones that don't. The the Jewish community um, has certain rituals around death and grieving, and they approach it um, as a very communal thing. They come together, which is beautiful. Um, but a lot of a lot of folks don't have that. And a built right in. And definitely, I'm, you, I know that you've heard this that men are typically told crying or tears are a sign of weakness, which is absolute BS. That's not true. It's just what they've been taught. I don't know where that comes from, but it's just, but it's wrong. It's not true. It's, it's a falsehood. I, I'm a huge fan um, of Korean dramas and, um, and Japanese anime. And the first time that I watched um, a Korean film where a, the man just broke down and cried, I was I was shocked but also pleased because I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I started to see this pattern like that over there, it's, it is not seen as something that you should hide. This is just part of life. You miss someone, you are going through a rough time, you cry, you let it out it's a form of release. I I mentioned this in another um, clubhouse room recently that tears act like breaking a dam and the water cleanses you. When you don't let that go, when you suppress that, something gets bottled up inside and it's gonna come out. If it doesn't come out as tears, it usually comes out as anger there is a great meme that states, I sat with my anger long enough to recognize her as grief. And anger is one of those layers of grief. Grief is very complex. It's not just crying. It's not just sadness. Depression is in there. Anger is in there. Fear is in there. Yeah, anxiety. So Yeah, it's going to come out, gentlemen, but it might come out as anger. And, you know, that is seen as more acceptable, which, again, is false. Like all emotions, all emotions are neutral. They're not good. They're not bad. But for men, it seems like anger is more an acceptable emotion to express than sadness. And we need to get past that. that. That needs to be gotten rid of. And definitely we're going through a seismic shift in in the world right now. Um, one of the things too, that I wanted to bring up, because you mentioned that you were um, ridiculously empathetic and I am the same way. I call my, I'm a sympathetic crier. If, even if I don't know you and you are, two, you are two rooms away and I hear you crying, I'm gonna start crying because something, I just, I just picked that up. So you can imagine today, as we're recording this, with the war in the Ukraine. This has compounded grief for me personally, but for a lot of other people. I have talked to a lot of people who said they feel hopeless, they feel helpless, and they feel this heavy weight of grief. They may not know where it's coming from, but that's what it's coming from. It's coming from this global grief that has just encompass the entire earth Uh, and so it's good to be aware of that and acknowledge that and
0: express it in safe ways I like how you said global grief because that's true those two words just say a lot for what everyone is going through and feeling right now you look I mean because you're surrounded by it not only with COVID and all the other stuff that's going on, the prices, inflation is insane. So many are struggling in many, many ways, physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, what have you, relationally, they're struggling. And then you have all these, you know, this big crazy thing happening, but what's going on there and people feel so empathetic for the people of that country And if you have a heart, you would, you know, you do all of that stuff together, just swirling in the air. That's why I started this podcast and called let fear bounce. And it's not said, you know, as an aside, just, I'll let it bounce. It's acknowledge it and then let it bounce because you can't let it control your life. It's detrimental to your own health. Then you'll be no help to anyone else. So global grief, that is a good title for something. You know,
1: and you said it, we've already been dealing with global grief to an extent because of the pandemic. We've, we've lost so much already. And then to have this, it just seems like icing on a poop cake. I just hosted two rooms on Clubhouse back to back talking about the culture, the food and the history of Ukraine, because I think it's important that we know about about this country that's, that's under, um, that's under assault and it was heartbreaking, but it was necessary to read about these sites. There are, there are several UNESCO world heritage sites in Ukraine, and I don't know if they're going to make it. Some of them probably have already been destroyed. I mean, and that is, that is a global grief because those sites are not just important to the Ukrainian people. They're important to the entire globe. Because of what they stand for and how old they are, and the fact that we can go and experience that, well, we can't do that anymore if they get bombed out. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of loss and a lot of layers of loss that are happening, and it just people are just feeling like I just can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. We have less community ties than we than we used to because we're so scattered by jobs and things like that. And I, this is something that I have learned in the last four years since my father passed from people who grieve, who do not have that support system. And sometimes, even if you have a support system that's, that's good, that doesn't say stupid stuff, like, oh, you should be over it, they're not right there with you. They can't always bring over you know a lasagna to put in your freezer for when you are, when you're able to eat again or whatever. That's, that part is, is sad because we need each other. We are created for community. We are not meant to walk this alone. And I think you have, you know, the isolation from the pandemic as part of it as well. That's what makes it so much more difficult to bear this global grief.
0: Yeah, people are carrying that fear around with them, and it's it, they're carrying it with them into all aspects of their of their lives. Um, you had mentioned when you said lasagna, bringing the lasagna over, that sparked a question in my head. And we've got a few minutes left here. When folks lose a loved one, and that maybe a few days prior you know, moving, moving up to the, the actual loss, if you know about it, if it's not something that was tragic. And then maybe a week or two after the griever is just bombarded with people and phone calls and church and, you know, all well-meaning and all done with love. And then after say two weeks, nothing. And then they're sitting there all alone in their quietness, in their empty house, what feels empty to them with their freezer full of food and containers that need returned. And all of it is overwhelming. What do you say to those folks or to the communities or their loved ones or just people in general? Hey, this person, they've had so many people around them and then now all of a sudden they're alone and they're sitting in silence. And that's actually dangerous for some folks.
1: You know, I experienced this after my dad died. It was probably, it took me about a year to come back. I I ended up um, isolating myself and retreating like a turtle because it was just, and, and he was 94. So it wasn't unexpected. And yet it was still a huge shock. He was such a giant in my life. And as you can see, four years later, it's still difficult. I had one friend, dear friend, who had been in touch um, while he was in the hospital right before, had done meal trains for me and then stopped reaching out on a regular basis that the year for that whole year after he passed and I talked to her later and she said I'm really sorry that I haven't been in touch um, but I figured you just needed space and I told her I said I really appreciate that but just so you know for the future sometimes giving space can feel like abandonment it depends on the griever you really have to know the person for me, I would still have appreciated somebody reaching in, this is another one of my big things that I talk about in my grief spaces, that the griever or anyone that has suffered a major loss or is going through like a mental health crisis, cause I also do mental health advocacy, they don't have the energy to reach out. It is enough to keep one foot in front of the other, to remember to eat, which is why it is so important for those meals those freezer meals to go to the person who's grieving because they're not even going to think about cooking for a while but to reach in is important pick up the phone or if you're gen x like me (laughs) text or send an email or or a card and just let them know that you are there for them and you're going to be bringing over dinner or whatever um to let them know that they are, they are not alone. And And you don't have to
0: stay. You can just say, Hey, I know you don't feel like company, but I'm going to, I'm going to drop. I will be there less than five minutes. I'm dropping off a casserole for you. And I think as the, as a griever, and I know I've done this myself, people will reach out and there are times you do just want to be alone, but you know, that can become dangerous because you get used to it. But I will, you know, I'll reach back texting or something and say, hey, I'm okay. I just would prefer no company today. But they've reached out and they've gotten a response. So there was at least some communication there, you know, and even if it's just that little bit, it's a, it's a step.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's all we want. Just give us the choice to say no. Don't just leave us behind.
0: And you're right, because it would feel like it does feel like abandonment. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really important part of it. The whole thing is important. And it's, it, again, it's a very tough subject. And it's a, it's a hard one for people. A lot of people even to just talk about, you know, I, it's tough for me to talk about, you know, i am sitting here getting teary eyed thinking of folks from my past, you know, and as we're sitting here chit chat and I'm going, okay, Kim, <laughs> you know. We'll, we'll take a look at this in a few minutes, but we're not going to do it right now. <laughs> but I am, I am so pleased that you came on. Gosh, we could talk for a really long time. There is so there is so much to unpack from what we were talking about. And I take notes as we're talking, and I've got a page and a half of notes. So I would uh, actually, I'd love to have you on again sometime um, to maybe pick one or two topics and really delve into them, because I feel that the listeners Well, I know many of the listeners will benefit from it. So thank you so much, Michelle, for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. So if you could right now let folks know where they can get in touch with you, where they can find your book, where you're at, if it's, you know, online, what have you.
1: Sure. Um, So you can go to my website, which is www.thegriefcurator.com. Uh, You can find me there. You can also, as I mentioned earlier, follow me on my Instagram, where I also am known as the grief curator, all one word. And if you go to my link tree bio there, you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter that I put out. I just put out a special edition of the newsletter um, talking about global grief and and the um, invasion of Ukraine. And then of course, I, you can find me on Clubhouse, uh, which is a Fabulous social audio app. I really should get a commission because I love this app so much. It it I met you on there, and I have made so many wonderful, authentic connections on that app. And I host regular uh, grief rooms on there Wednesday nights, seven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about grief in the dark night of the soul. I've I've covered subjects like miscarriage, um, infant loss, divorce, breakups. Um, stuff like that. So um, if people are interested and I know that people are, they don't, they don't necessarily talk about it in public, but they do message me and say, I, I just feel lost. I just feel, I don't feel seen. And that's what I do. I hold space so that people can feel welcomed, seen and heard.
0: So on your clubhouse, you had mentioned numerous topics. Do you have guest speakers come on?
1: Yes. Every, pretty much every, every uh, grief room that I do has a guest speaker.
0: Awesome. Michelle, thank you once again. This has been, this has been an amazing conversation on a tough topic, but folks, we've got to, we've got to tackle these topics. So, uh, and I'm glad that we did. I'm glad that we did. It was enlightening. You brought up a lot of things uh, that that's going to give people something to chew on, something to chew on and think about, and maybe whether they find themselves grieving or they have a loved one or a friend, that is grieving. It'll give them a little bit of, a little bit of enlightenment on how to approach and just how to be, how to be with your friend or your loved one who is grieving. So Michelle, thank you for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. I appreciate it very much.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I look forward to coming on
0: again. Yay. (laughs) And so all of you out there listening, thank you so much for once again, tuning in this week to Let Fear Bounce. I wish you all the best, everyone. So be well, stay well, and be blessed.